vital, vital advice for your everyday life. Hello, and welcome back to Vital Advice. Today is not an advice episode. It is a discovery episode where I talk about something that I'm curious about and I dive into the psychology and the neuroscience behind something that, you know, triggered my interest. And then from my findings, I'm going to discuss it with you. And if you clicked on this episode, you're probably curious to find out what I'm going to talk about today. Yes, we're going to be talking about why certain things in our life comfort us. Things like movies, TV shows, music, food, um, different books. Why are inanimate objects so comforting to us? So why would we have a comfort level from certain foods or TV shows or music when we um, could easily, you know, lose interest with it? I just, I'm curious, like, what is that? I'm very, I'm a very curious person about what that means. And is it all from the same process in our mind or are they different? Do, like, for example, like, are comfort foods hitting the same part of the brain as my comfort movies or are they different parts and are they attractive to me for different reasons? That's what I wanted to know. So I did some research on that specifically. But yeah, so in general, have you ever been in a state of mind where someone suggests a new TV show for you to watch and your knee-jerk reaction is to say, no, I just can't right now. I don't have the capacity to enter this new show into my free time, but you are still watching TV shows. They just happen to be the same shows that you've already seen that you watch on repeat and are always somehow in your queue, whether you're like older and you're millennial and you're watching Friends or Gilmore Girls, or if you're watching New Girl or some other show that was like maybe farther back into your childhood, like The Simpsons or Family Guy or something like that. Something that is, you've watched several times, you could probably quote a few episodes or at least know what the storyline is. Why do you have time for that, but you don't have time for a new show with a new storyline? I have my own comfort shows, don't get me wrong, but I do tend to try to introduce new shows as much as I can. I don't very often go back to comfort shows unless... I'm in a particularly low mood. However, there are people in my life, like my sister, who they need to watch comfort shows because they just don't have the brain capacity to add anything else. So I wanted to know from this, if that was a real thing, do you have a brain capacity level for new shows, even though it's not really like, you're not really active in that participation of watching TV? So what is that exactly? I was also curious about the way that scent interacts with memory because I have certain perfumes and there are certain bake goods that remind me of different parts of my life that were in general happy things. There are there are some scents that do make me feel sad whether or not I associate it with like a past lover or a friend that I don't talk to anymore. And the same thing with books. Sometimes books a book that I read maybe on vacation will remind me of being in that spot every time I read that book or look at that book or open it to a certain page. Like it, it can transport you. It's almost like time traveling. Maybe this is our form of time traveling. 
I've never really thought about that. Maybe nostalgia really is a transporting tool. Interesting. Okay, so we're <laughs> I'm already like too far ahead. Um, the guy was walking around with a trash can outside. I don't know what that was about. Weird. Okay. Um, what was I talking about? Yes. So let's start off with looking at comfort foods because I feel like this one everyone has. Every even if you don't have like a comfort book or a comfort TV show, everyone has a comfort food. Some of them are healthy and some of them are not. Some of them are because of our childhood and everyone in your family used that as your comfort food or if it's something that maybe you adopted from someone else like but you have one. So what is a comfort food? What part of our psychology is reflected in our tendency to return to a certain food when we're feeling sad or we're feeling stressed or depressed. Like, why does food comfort us? And I know everyone has kind of their own relationship with food, but this is one of those things that's pretty consistent no matter what your relationship with food is, a comfort food. So what is going on with our brain? The general consensus on comfort food is usually that they are high in sugar, high in carbs, or high in fats. In general, most comfort foods are in like this category, right? And very often we look at our comfort foods as like a coping mechanism. There are some foods in contrast that are are more healthy for our comfort foods, but they more than likely have some level of serotonin-inducing properties to them. So like, for example, pastas, pastas, if you eat a plate of pasta, you're going to, your serotonin is going to spike and you're going to feel that level of increase within your, your body. You're going to have that neurotransmitter interact with your brain. Same thing with chocolate, same thing with, with anything that, that has like that spiking part of it. Now we know that these spikes in our serotonin are temporary, but that's why we have a comfort food because we don't need to have it last a long time. It is something that you can just like use during those days where you're really high stress or feeling really depressed or something like that. So those foods interact with us chemically, obviously, but they also can interact with our memory core and our brain to remind us of certain people. We associate certain foods, whether or not it's grandma's uh, chocolate chip cookies, or if it is Thanksgiving-based foods that remind you of your entire family that gather during that time, or if it's uh, grandpa's barbecue chicken recipe. That is something that you associate with someone who is close to you. And so when you are eating or cooking, or being around that food in general, um, you're associating that kind of mood that you're in with them, and you're recalling certain memories associated with those foods and that person, which can make you feel somewhat more secure in your environment while you're eating it. It is a psychological process that happens, and that's why we have comfort foods, i.e. it is comforting us because it is attached to our memories in that way. So this is actually going to introduce our first concept that I kind of want to hit on about how memory affects what we use to comfort us. And food, for example, is only one of the many ways that you can use items around you and objects to basically transport yourself. And these are all under kind of the umbrella term of retrieval cues. So a retrieval cue in the terminology of psychology and neuroscience is 
an aspect of an individual's physical and cognitive environment which aids the recall process. So you're getting the memories and they can be explicitly provided um, at recall, they could, like in other words, self-generated, or you can also just encounter them accidentally um, and it will recall. And usually the ones that are accidental are kind of the ones that are the uh, bad memories, the ones that we remember our ex and so forth that we don't really want to recall, but can happen when we, you know, smell the certain type of cologne that they wore or whatever. So another part of food specifically that's comforting is not only like the eating process that interacts with our serotonin levels, but also it is that memory of that scent of, you know, grandma cooking um, bacon in the mornings while you visit them every summer. That kind of memory is an emotional memory. It's not just like something that like you you have stored for no reason. You keep it because it inhibits an emotion within your body. And they're usually very vivid and detailed emotion memories that we keep that are associated with our specific comfort foods. And that's why we don't all have the same comfort food because it's a very specific thing. So our learned history of food makes us predisposed to certain foods. So yes, that is the idea of comfort food. And I guess we're we're stepping into the scent part of the comfort. Do you have a perfume that you wore on your wedding day? Or do you have a bedtime ritual that is filled with lavender or eucalyptus oils that remind you of being home? Those kind of things make you physically feel like you're in a safer environment and the same way that a comfort food would do for you. I would put it under the same umbrella as comfort food because of the scent part of it. So that's great. We understand that it's interacting with our neurotransmitters with serotonin, uh, which is naturally spiked by eating it. And it is a retrieval cue through scent and taste. Okay, so what's with TV shows then? Because I don't think that's the same. We don't now at least have any way of doing like scentivision, right? So how is something that we see inducing the same level of comfort? Or is it the same level of comfort? Is it a different kind of comfort that we get from TV shows? So let's look into that. So there are a lot of studies regarding TV shows that we repeat and watch as kind of like our comfort TV show during the pandemic. That's when there was a huge spike in streaming services. A lot of movies had to debut on streaming services because no one could go to the theaters. Everyone was able to do more research on that kind of rewatching habitual mind-numbingness of streaming shows. And we got a lot of research from that. So one reason that they had found during specifically the pandemic streaming was trying to relieve a cognitive load. When you are in a state of having to constantly make decisions and to process things, and during 2020, we were doing so much of that, there was just a constant cognitive load on us, like whether or not we could go to a certain restaurant. When does it close? Is it going to be open? When Do I have a mask? Am I, am I properly sanitizing something? Am I communicating something outside of like, just like the normal like COVID stuff it was like, Am I making sure that I'm communicating well at work? Does my coworker uh, not like me? Am I going to be able to afford to buy that new car? 
uh, grocery shopping? Do I not have enough food at home? Do I, uh, did I do my laundry? Did I put my laundry in the dryer? Just like, the list can go on and on. I mean, like, you know, you have a life, you know what you think about and how that cognitive load at the end of the day, when you come home from whatever stressors that you have, whether you're at school or if you're at work or if you're um, watching your kids at home, when you have a moment to relax and be released from that cognitive load, are you going to want to continue to have new intake come to you? This is where it comes in. So the rewatching of television shows specifically is because you don't want your brain to constantly have to work because you do have limits on how much your brain is able to work in a day. And your, your body knows it, which is why when like my sister is presented with, you need to watch this new show, her body goes, no, I can't. Because there's a literal stopping point for your brain. You can't anymore. That stress is being put on your working memory, the current right now intake, right? So with that dynamic, like if you just think about what you do when you watch a new show, you have to learn names, you have to learn environment, you have to learn what type of show it is. You need to understand the background knowledge for the show and then also the, the plot just in general. What is happening is all brand new to you. So it adds an additional working memory load on your brain that at some point is just too much. So with a show that you've seen before, especially one that you've watched multiple times, there is no need to predict what's going to happen. There is no work you need to do. You can zone out and still know what's going on in the show because you've seen it before. And with this comes a sense, believe it or not, of self-control because you know what's going to happen You are creating an environment that is 100% within your control. You're not going to be surprised by anything. You're not going to have anything throw you for a loop. You're not going to be put in a um, involuntary stressful state from the show that you're watching. You know exactly what's going to happen and you are controlling what you are allowing into your immediate environment from re-watching these shows. Another aspect of this I find quite interesting is that we as individuals will have different desires for different types of shows that we watch. An example of shows that were streamed on repeat during the pandemic was Squid Game and Bridgerton. Very different type of shows that you could watch and different individuals would find it comforting to rewatch those shows because they know the ending, but someone that might be rewatching Bridgerton might be choosing not to watch Squid Game because of the stress load that comes from that and they don't want that in their environment. So as far as cognitive load, that's why we will constantly watch Seinfeld or we will choose to rewatch a show that maybe we watched with our our family members, which kind of is a good segue into another reason why our natural tendency to have a comfort show is able to comfort us beyond just not putting a cognitive load on us, is the fact that these shows we associate with people in our life and they make us, as we're watching them, regardless if you're with someone or if you're alone, they make you feel less lonely. Whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, people like people. But it's not only just that aspect of feeling less lonely about it. It also makes us feel like we are friends with the people in the show. Do you ever have that feeling? I know I cannot be the only person that feels like when you watch Gilmore Girls that they're kind of like your friends or if what's another show like Bridgerton that you're like you're invested in Eloise's story like you you feel a connection to her. There isn't just a element of you enjoy their character but you almost relate to them or feel like you're in some ways bonded to them. 
that's a natural thing that happens. And another reason why we rewatch those shows is because we want to quote unquote associate with them. Our brains are very smart, but they're also very easily tricked into believing that there is a connection with the characters on TV. And there are there is some uh, psychological research that has been done on uh, the feelings that are usually negative that we can receive throughout the day being somewhat lessened by thinking about the characters or thinking about a current plot line in a show that you're like at that point in the show that you really like, like that talking about that counteracts a negative mood that you were put in through your outside environment throughout your day. So uh, for example, if you had to like talk about a time where you were rejected or when someone hurt your self-esteem and then after that talked about your favorite storyline within your favorite comfort TV show, the feelings of rejection that you talked about earlier or that you experienced earlier uh, just in general they usually are taken away by talking about the thing that you liked after that. It can't just be any show, though. It can't just be a show that you like. Your actual comfort show, while genre might be similar that you're talking about, whether or not like you're a Trekkie and someone asks you to talk about Star Wars, like, yeah, the, they technically take place in space, but are they the same? No, they're not. There has to be something that you really feel a connection to. And Talking about another show that you're watching that isn't your comfort show after talking about the feelings of rejections reflect in those studies that they had no effect. You still felt rejected. You still felt those hard feelings after talking about that show. So it it really does show that our connection to these shows is a psychological mood booster, kind of like its own uh, sort of comfort food through visual intake. To just reiterate on the topic of how these characters can feel like our friends. There was a professor in Buffalo. Um, I'm going to see if I can find his name or her name. I'm not actually sure. Sierra Gabriel, uh, PhD at Buffalo, talked about how, quote, we need to feel connected to other people in order to be happy and healthy. We evolved that way. We did not evolve to differentiate however, between the, the real groups in our lives and the ones we see on TV, even though we know that they are not real, they feel real to us. End quote. That is a psychological fact right there. Our brains are smart. We know they're not real, but our bodies, which are connected to the feelings we associate with them, those are also real. Those are real to us. That is why we have this intrinsic draw to rewatch our favorite TV shows. And in many cases, I'm sure you've experienced this yourself, they can kind of feel like they're recharging your battery, whether it's feeling less lonely or taking away the stress. Like if it's a comedy, maybe you're laughing more and that already has kind of its own physiological effects on its own. But you feel like you're able to step away from after watching a couple of episodes with a better attitude in general. I'm sure you've experienced that. I've experienced that. And it makes sense when you think about how you're interacting with these characters in your mind, though you know they're not real, but you they feel real. You're gaining some sort of fun interaction or intimate interaction, whatever it is. So now we talked about comfort shows are there for a reason and we use them for a reason. That cognitive load, that feeling of connecting with someone even though they're not real. So does that transfer into movies though? Or is that a different area of our comfort seeking. 
because I know there are some days where I absolutely 100% want to watch a movie and then I will go weeks without ever wanting to watch a movie and I just want to watch TV. Why is that that way? So this may or may not be connected, but I feel like in my case it is. When it comes to movies, there is at least research showing that those who rewatch a film usually are those who suffer from a heightened level of depression and anxiety. And so when you do that and you know the storyline and it's only a short amount of time, it allows you to prepare for what's coming. Not everyone likes a surprise or a twist, right? Sometimes you want to go back to that. And because it's familiar, it's easier to process. That is something that's similar to what TV is like. But because of that level of anxiety and depression that I suffer from and that I deal with, I can tell you that on days where I have heightened anxiety or heightened depressant feelings, I will reach for a film that comforts me over a TV show because the films that I hold in my comfort area also remind me of a better time. And so I'm able to connect that way. It has that retrieval cue element to it within film that is not always there for all of the TV shows that I watch. The type of retrieval cue that is used in most of our comfort movies is a sense of nostalgia, whether it's childhood memories of rewatching it with your family or that you just watch over and over again that transports you. Like I said earlier, it's kind of like a time travel tool to a happier, safer time in our lives. Uh, sometimes I'm not ashamed to admit this and you guys can come at me if it's a problem, but I don't think it's a problem. I will still watch kid shows, shows that I watched when I was a kid, whether it's like Sesame Street movies or on occasion like something like a Family Circus. Like I rewatch those when I am in a very vulnerable state and I would like to have that feeling that I had as a kid of being in a very safe and warm environment. And believe it or not, there are studies that show that that feeling of nostalgia can manifest itself physically as a warmth and a comfort. Like it's a physical experience that you're having while you're watching a comfort movie. So with films, it's again, it is a seeking comfort and familiarity and revisiting happy memories. And believe it or not, it's actually really good for you to use those. Like use that as a tool in your life. Here, hey, actually, maybe I do have some advice for you in this episode. Use those. Don't feel guilty just because there's so many other movies on your watch list that you haven't reached for yet. Save those movies for a different time. Right now, maybe you do need to have that feeling of warmth and comfort and safety in order to feel normal again. Rewatch those movies. It's healthy for you. Don't feel bad about it. There you go. Final advice. Okay, so how is this also relative to music? In some ways, it's similar. If you have like a playlist that you used in high school and you put that on now, would you not feel the same level of freedom of responsibilities that you did at that time? And at the same time, do you have like a sad playlist? Come on, admit it. You have a sad, depressive playlist that you made while you were in high school to play when like your first boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you and it's like, teardrops on my guitar and um I miss you and like all of those songs are just like oh my god David like (laughs) you have that 
If you played that now, you might not feel the level of sadness that you felt, but you will probably feel a level of comfort that you were feeling from those songs that you were seeking when you played that playlist. And in a way, it almost is fun to do that. I I recommend doing it. Every now and then I discover a playlist that I made or an old burn CD that aged me a little bit. I don't care, but um, I had burn CDs during college. It's fine. And I will play it and it'll remind me of a time where I was working towards something, a goal that I had. And it almost gives me more motivation because I'm time traveling back to that state of physical being where I was able to get gratification out of my classwork. So isn't that crazy? If you're lacking motivation, go back to one of those playlists. It will transport you and it will use that association of belonging and the feelings that you had physically, you'll feel them again. All of this is to say everything that I just talked about within the comfort level, comfort items, comfort foods, all of those things, in some ways they're similar because it interacts with your memory system. And um, in some ways, music and film can interact with our limbic system a little bit more. Our limbic system has the hippocampus and the amygdala. That's areas of emotional feelings, emotional memories will come up through that processing in our brain. There's some neuroscience for you. Um, Whereas when we talked about comfort food earlier, that might interact more with like your serotonin levels. Either way, all of those in the comfort umbrella all interact with your memory retrieval cues calling forward the kind of memory that you want to interact with in that moment, whether it's grandma or your high school sweetheart, the feeling that you had on your graduation day, your wedding day, the day your child was born, those kind of things. We have a way of of transporting ourselves that way through nostalgia and through the items that we keep and hold dear. And all of it is healthy for the most part. I mean, I can see some areas where this could step into maybe you should move on from Jeremy. He was a toxic boyfriend. But in general, the feelings that you had that you were good, I hope, with Jeremy, maybe that is healthy to to hold on to. Use it wisely. It is a great tool to help build a level of self-care into your routine that's free. You don't have to go to a spa. You don't have to spend money at Target, which is another dopamine-ergic desire, right? Instead of using your dopamine reward system, why not use your ability to time travel through your emotional memories? I think that might save a few dollars in your in your wallet if you tend to lean more towards like retail therapy, which by the way, I discovered is linked to love languages. So going back a couple episodes when I talked with Dallas, if you find yourself seeking out new items at the store as a way to kind of feed that, get that dopamine boost, more than likely your love language is gift giving. Isn't that crazy? I just wanted to throw that in there because I felt like that was a revelation I had. And I realized that one of my love languages is gift giving. And it makes sense. I find myself prone to giving gifts to those that I love or those that I would like to be closer to. So it makes sense for me to seek that out with my dopamine reward system. Anyway, we're going back on a different topic and I need to stay on the one we're talking about now. But anyway, I'm actually getting ready to wrap up. This is a shorter episode. I'm so glad that you came on the discovery journey with me. 
And I hope I have at least solidified in your brain that it's okay to have these comfort foods as long as you use them wisely. And it's okay if you can't currently, with your cognitive load, start a new TV show. It's fine. It's not bad to rewatch TV. I have actually interacted with some people who have never rewatched a single movie in their life, and I don't understand how. How can you never rewatch a movie? Like, not a single one ever? You don't have a movie that you were like, I could watch that again? How? I mean, like, for me and my sister, we watched the 2005 Pride and Prejudice in theaters like five times. We loved it. It gave us such a, like, a feeling of safety and comfort, and we loved it. We would always leave that movie theater on such a high. How could you, as a human being on this planet, have zero desire to do that? I don't get it. How? I've rewatched Bridgerton so many times because it they create in these, like, Jane Austen-esque scenarios and movies in the Regency period with such comforting feeling and and colors and sounds and language that you just like, "Mm, it's so nice. I do it all the time. I cannot relate to that person on a human level just because they didn't have a single comfort movie or show. Not one. Anyway, it is normal. I'm sorry if you felt judged and if you don't actually have a comfort movie, I don't relate to you. I don't understand. But if you want to reach out to me and explain it, I'd love to hear because I like learning about new people and learning about different ways of life. So reach out to me. I'd like to hear it. Speaking of, if you like this podcast or like the way that um, I present myself or think someone might like this podcast, please share it. Like, share, comment, review. Please let me know that you're listening. I'd love to hear from you. And it really helps me out when you do those little things, just like a little click of the button to write a couple of words. It's huge for me, even though it might be just a small part of your day. Help boost my dopamine. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. So thank you again. This was a great episode. I will see you next week where I'm going to be talking about the books that changed my life, some books I recommend, and I may or may not throw in some books I don't recommend depending on how I feel on that day. Maybe I'll be a little bit more spicy. Maybe I won't be. I hope to see you there. All right, I'm going to sign you out. Remember to stay present. Remember two realities can exist at once. And remember to study the brain because just like I showed you today, it is a fascinating thing and it'll help you understand yourself better. Bye guys. See you next week. (laughs) 